0: Hello, welcome back to Burgers, Beers and Books. My name is Ben Hobson, and this is the podcast where I get to interview your favourite authors about their favourite books. Uh, I cannot begin to describe how much fun I had having a chat with Emma Viskitch during uh, for this interview. She's amazing. Um, her book, Those Who Perish, has just come out in Australia, and it is a great book. But man, she chose such an excellent book to talk about, and we had such a blast. Um, talking about self-injury, talking about, you know, being authentic and true to your writing. I just, I really think you guys are going to get a heap out of this chat. Without further delay, here we are. Emma, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time, especially considering <laughs> we're both wiped out. You're very busy with the, the new release of your new book, Those Who Perish, which came out like a week ago. How, how soon or how close away was that? Oh, it must be two weeks Two weeks, Um, hugely exciting, the fourth episode in the huge um, Caleb Zalik series and congratulations on that and yeah, how are you going with all of the release and everything, how's everything been travelling?
1: Yeah, it's um, good but I get, um, as I was saying just before, the busier I get, the more dangerous my life becomes. Yes. (laughs) Because I, I uh, my natural absent-mindedness really is died up to a factor of about 100. So mm, mm. I'd say 90% of life is excellent. The other 10% is me injuring myself or forgetting things. So
0: Yeah. And so, so just because people can't see you, I can see you, but you're podcasting with what looks like half a finger. Mm. Can you, I, what has happened to you?
1: Most of my finger is still there. It's it's not the worst finger injury I've had. Um, look, I was performing a very um, dangerous stunt, very very dangerous. Okay. Um, yeah, I was making cannelloni for my for my daughter's birthday dinner. Oh wow!
0: Day. Okay, yes. So you're mm-hmm. you're high flying up there, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So don't try this at home, folks. And no. um, you know how they they say you should be careful of blunt knives. Well, this was a super sharp knife. <laughs> Yep. The end of a long day, I was I was actually plotting in my brain, and usually I curl my fingers, you know, and I didn't, and I, I basically I've i oh, no riced off my fingernail and a good chunk of my finger.
0: Oh no.
1: Oh yeah, like mm.
0: I don't like you explaining that like that I've tra- <laughs> that, that trauma of the knife slipping in to the skin.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: I'm just oh I don't like it.
1: And because it was a slice rather than a cut, there was just this moment I went, "Oh, I, I really might pass out." I'm usually really good in an emergency. Mm. Like I, got, I got very, very focused. I was like, "Oh, pain, help! Pain, help! Help!" <laughs> it's just like a word. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, I have a question for you. This is this. I don't know where this will go. Mm. Can you tell me the injury that you've sustained in your lifetime that has the most embarrassing story attached to it. Not embarrassing like, oh, okay, I can see your face. You're already thinking of something. I just mean like it doesn't sound cool to describe it. Cutting mm-hmm. cannelloni for your daughter's birthday is at least sweet. That's a very nice.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So you come off very nice, but I'm just thinking of like a really silly one.
1: Well, apart from the bit of finger I left on the chopping board so she had to cook her own dinner. If that's the-
0: <laughs> for her birthday, I didn't even think look, of that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So look... <laughs> multiple things um, but the first one that springs to, to mind is a few years ago um, we had a builder mate of ours over um, doing a few things around the house because the, the house is really old and falling apart and um, he had some slats of wood and he said look if, if you want to help um, you can use a circular sander and um actually quite handy <laughs> dangerous but handy
2: well, so sure. circular
1: sand is no big deal. You know, you, you can't hurt yourself with a circular hand. You might give yourself a little bit of a buff in the skin, but, you know, yeah. you're not going to kill yourself. Uh, yeah, no. I should do that. And I uh, went out to do it and I went, should I change clothes? I'm like, no, I don't think I need to do that. I'm about to pick the kids up for school about half an hour. So I'm sanding these slats of wood and suddenly <laughs> there's this unbelievable pain in my leg nowhere near the sander mind you oh no I just kept going whip, whip, whip. <laughs> I realized that i was wearing a top with like sort of uh tassels off it and they had big wooden beads at the end. <laughs> and that as i'd leaned over I had got caught in the circle sander and gone whip, 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 and whacked me like multiple times in the leg um came up in this enormous lump immediately and i actually thought one of the wooden beads was under my skin. Oh, my gosh. Out. Anyway, um, once I realised that I, I hadn't, you know, blinded myself or permanently injured myself, um, James, my mate, the builder, he comes out and says, oh, what was that noise? I said, <laughs> by this stage, by the way, blood is running down my leg. I was covering it with my head. Oh, nothing. Um, it's fine. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I just got caught on something. It's fine. It's just like... <laughs> And for some reason, I had shorts on. That. I mean, it was hot. Shorts on that day. But like, I really wear shorts. So, like, the gods are against me that day.
2: Yeah, yeah. So,
1: that was one of the more embarrassing moments. But, like, That's- I mean, I've, I've burnt my arms with irons in front of people. I've, mm-hmm. you know, it's, a, it's a curse.
0: I feel like when you have an injury, though, it tends to be, no matter how stupid the story, I'm always glad for the story. Like, I'm always happy. Like I um, one of my stupidest ones was I actually um broke my foot in a pillow fight.
2: Mm, mm.
1: And I can empathize. empathize.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it was a knockdown. I was like one of those ones where like people are getting properly injured, but I wasn't mm. actually in the fight. I was trying to charge into battle, and as <laughs> I ran in, I tripped on a pillow. <laughs> so before mm-hmm. I could even enter the fray, I was on the ground like yelling out in pain. And we were on tour with the band, and so I had to um, I had to play some gigs with my foot in a cast and like up on a stool and
2: oh no.
0: it was pretty good. It's, but see like that's so fun, like I have that story and'm I feel like you and I are kindred spirits like I, I consistently hurt myself in stupid ways.
1: This gives me great hope. I mean, look, if, if we want to talk about injuries, we could do the whole podcast on it I mean we could. For life- like my second book, I, I, I snapped my ankle just before that came out. That's a whole long story, that one. That was, yeah. You have a big ankle story,
0: breaking ankles? St- I have a big breaking ankle story. Maybe we oh, should really? just do the podcast on our ankles breaking.
2: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I don't
0: know. How long can you go? Because I've practiced my story.
1: Uh, well, so first of all, I'll, I'll preface it by saying that I've also broken my foot. <laughs> I was not in a pillow fight, but there was a pillow involved. Okay. Yeah, I was having a little nana nap. This is years <laughs> ago. I was like 21 or something, having a little nana nap. And the phone went. And I put, I got up and I ran for it because, like, in those days, the olden days, you had a landline. It was really important to
2: you. You had to get there, nap. yeah.
1: And my foot was asleep, so I went over on it. and But I couldn't feel it. So I went, oh, I'll just keep going. <laughs> I broke my foot.
0: Broke your foot having a nap? The
1: of course is that it was a wrong number, so... Um, <laughs>
0: You bre- Sorry, you broke your foot having a nap. Like well, I an
1: extreme... say like answering the phone.
0: No. <laughs> it's like it's an extreme sport. I actually heard, I heard a story once of a writer who broke his thumb. And I thought it was the only way to do some injury to yourself being a writer. He'd given someone the thumbs up like this. Like, that's a great idea. He's in the writer's room. And as he put his thumb up, he like snapped a tendon or something. Ah! <laughs> <Just
2: like,
1: laughs>
0: all down screaming
1: <laughs> oh oh see you and i quite coordinated at least there was movement involved
0: how many Did- times have you broken your foot i've done three ankle breaks
1: one on my foot a lot of ankle uh like tendon
0: rolls yeah that are back,
1: whoa, that, that's sort of noisy uh but the ankle break do you really want to hear the ankle break story
0: i kind of do like i mean i want to get to the book as well you're drinking a beer we're just chilling out oh I I am- do. Can we listen oh, to this? Oh, you have got a James Boggs. Nice.
1: I chose a Bogues because um, my protagonist Caleb drinks Bogues. So.
0: Nice. That's so good. That's <laughs> you know. every now and
1: again they go. Oh, there you go, Caleb. I'll we'll have a. to be in
0: theme. Yeah, I bought. I don't know why I bought this. I just bought this thing. I've never had it.
1: Rail padder.
0: Steam rail. It's actually not bad.
1: You've got all steampunk.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So, can we hear the story of you breaking the ankle? I actually do want to hear. We are going to get to the book, but I want to hear this story, please, please.
1: Well, I, um, I'd just written my, my, my second book was about to come out, which ironically does feature a broken bone in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, just before I sort of set off on book tour, um, Friends of ours offered uh, their little mud brick house for a, a little romantic getaway for my husband and I. Lovely. Um, out in Gippsland, long drive, like a four hour drive or something.
0: Sorry, can I stop? Hmm. I'm from Gippsland. We're in Gippsland.
1: There you go. Uh, What was the name of the place? Come to me. Go off the highway up to the left.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Traugan? It's past Traugan. No,
1: no, no, not Traugan. It's tiny. I mean, one of those tiny little places.
0: Well, I'm from a tiny place called Yarram. I'm sure it's probably not Yarram.
1: No Yarram. It wasn't Yarram.
0: Through Yarram? Foster? No. Off
1: off the highway, up a... I'm going to leave it in my brain and see if, it, if the name sure, Oh, Sure,
0: sure, anyway,
1: because we, That's we could...
0: exciting. So you're in Gippsland. I know where you yep. are. I can picture the whole thing.
1: Miles off the beaten track. Um, this house was nowhere near the town, um, up a private driveway with a locked gate.
2: Yep. Okay.
1: Um, really, really steep driveway in, in that really, really hilly part of um, Gippsland. You know, you're not quite in the mountains, but you're heading in that direction. Sure, yep. And um, anyway, it's lovely, lovely place. And we get there. Oh, it's beautiful and it's nearly sunset. So let's walk to the top of that hill there. But there's no path. It's just a, like a, in my memory, a 90-degree angle hill. And, you know, and, and really you know, sort of thick, scrubby bushland. Yep,
0: yep, I can picture it, yep.
1: Yeah, it's lovely. Let's go for a little um, scenic sunset walk, so we, we'll walk to the top and as the sun's going down, I'm thinking, this doesn't actually feel like a good idea because uh, there's no phone service here. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm <laughs> slightly accident prone, so we should go. So as we're going back down this 90-degree angle hill, mm-hmm. I learned as a child, steep tracks, you go sideways, you know. You don't, you don't sort of go uh, face forward because you might roll.
0: Oh, I didn't know that.
1: Mm, Well, don't do it. Uh, As I was descending, I stepped over a log Mm. and my supporting weight foot slipped, got wedged and snapped because my whole weight was on my one foot as I was sort of leaning. And I basically, you know how you can get a twig and snap it over your knee? That's what I did with my ankle.
0: The sound, the sound of it. Because I have sound the same of it memory. Like a
1: it's rifle like shot. Yeah. So I'm standing on my broken ankle with my other foot still in the air because, of because it's so steep. Oh my I, God. I didn't want to put my other foot down because I might, you know, really. Yeah. <laughs> it myself. Um, everything's slipping. It, it's incredibly, you know, rolling sort of leaf mulch and everything going everywhere. <laughs> and I'm not quite sure if I screamed or yelled. Some noise, some gotcha. <laughs> guttural noise kind of. Yeah. My poor husband's just like slightly lower down than me. He's still looking up going, oh, God. And I finally managed to lower myself down. <laughs> he came up to me. Said, okay, okay. Um, I think you've broken it. I said, no, definitely haven't broken it. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> but you,
0: Sorry, at that stage, were you just trying to convince yourself or were you just mm-hmm. trying to, oh, mm-hmm. wow, okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. Totally trying to convince myself. You're probably going to have to cut this whole conversation because it goes up for ages. No, I'm cut, I cut That part of the story short is, um, well, he couldn't piggyback me because it was too steep. We had to go down to the gully and then back up. Um, so I had to slide <laughs> on my backside. Yeah. Which was fine until I got to the poison ivy. <laughs> I did actually have a little laugh cry at that stage. Oh my God. <laughs> get through the poison ivy uh, yeah Just got to the uphill bit where I could sort of stand and I'll hop along um you know leaning on my husband's arm and hop to the house hop 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 and and um I think we need to go and I'm going no way it's like a four-hour drive it's definitely not broken. It's in the middle of nowhere. That's just going to be a hell. There's going to be kangaroos throwing themselves in front of the car. We'll just stay the night. I'm sure it'll be fine.
2: Yeah. So,
1: being organised, we had nothing with us.
2: Yeah.
1: Like, no bandages, no Panadol. Uh, so I wrapped my, my leg up in a skivvy because it was cold. And I had whiskey. So I had whiskey. So I was very cool. No, I was tough. I had a broken leg and I had my whiskey as a painkiller. Yeah. And then the next morning... When we unwrapped my leg and saw how swollen it was, um, yeah, my husband said, no, we're going home. Well, actually, we, we'll go to the local hospital. And I said, no, I'm going home because I still didn't believe it was broken. And, of course, once I got to the hospital, we drove back to Melbourne and they went, uh, yeah, that shall require surgery and a thousand screws and a big yep. plate. And, by the way, did you know that you could die of a blood clot when you snap a bone in your lower limb? Oh, yes. Man. PSA for everybody. If you break uh, you know, your leg, you could be really careful about blood clots. Wow. So everything wrong.
0: Wow. So we could have lost you.
1: Yeah, definitely. But the, the funny thing was I was going to go back uh, like a month later and do a little writing retreat on myself because I thought, great, there's no internet, there's no phone coverage. And I thought, oh, if I hadn't done that to myself and, like, it's a private driveway, I mean, I couldn't have, <laughs> I couldn't no. have got it.
2: Oh, it would so. have happened, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So but... I'm a tough crime rider and I had whiskey for the pain. So you're fine. a
0: regular. Um, that sounds like something Hemingway would do, or at least oh, say that he did.
1: Absolutely. You're the, you're the real deal. Chew through the cork to get to the whiskey and, you know.
0: Just, yeah, and dra- <laughs> guzzle the whole thing. <laughs> um, man. That 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 wet sort of tree branch snap of the bones, like which bones did it end up being in your in your leg? Oh,
1: it's that what is it? Is that the fibula on the outside? But it's right on it's right on my ankle, which is yeah. why I had to do with the whole, you know.
0: Because when I the worst break I did, I broke both of them.
1: Oh, come on. At the no. same time,
0: yeah. And I was um snowboarding. <laughs> it was a little cooler than pillow fight. I was on top of a mountain trekking actually up a mountain with some mates and we'd camped up in the saddle. But my story, man, like it involves there's diarrhea in it. <laughs> <laughs> my diarrhea. Um, I won't go into the full details, but in essence, I broke my ankle on top of the mountain and it was eight hours on top of this mountain. I had to get airlifted off in a helicopter. Um, I accidentally proposed marriage to my brother in law. Um, it was the worst pain i've ever felt i was yeah and i got winched up there was static electricity there was lightning there was rain i got whacked in the ankle into the helicopter strut yep it's good times
1: see that's that's way more dramatic than i went for a walk
0: yeah well see the way i broke it was just walking like i say i fell off a cliff but i was really
2: yeah yeah, i
0: was on a mountain i just was walking though but it was a flash flood. My friends nearly got washed off on the, the mountain. Was, there was leeches. Where was it? Where? When or where? 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 It was up in um, a place called Mount Barney near Ipswich up in Queensland. And it was right when we found out we were going to have our first child. So I thought that now that my wife had fallen pregnant, that this God was done with me, like I was going to get killed. Because I, I'd, you know, my legacy would live on. And that was it. That was all that was in store for me. So, <laughs> yep, thought I was dead. Anyway.
1: No. Oh, wow, I can't believe you got airlifted out.
0: Um, it was really cool. But I nearly had to stay on top because they were running out of fuel in the helicopter. And because of the rain and it was so windy and it was whipping rain into us, they were like, we're going to have to stay here if we don't get you this time. Which was why when they did winch me up, right. I had to go so fast. And there was no gentle ease into the helicopter. It was just like,
2: go, go, on.
0: whacking my floppy noodle ankle. Into- oh,
1: don't, don't, don't. I'll smack my goal, shivery
2: Because
0: <laughs> it was both bones. So the ankle was just like. <laughs> mm,
2: mm, 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 mm.
0: Mm. Yeah. But see, that's that's one of my favourite things. Like that story that I have, that adventure that I have, like I love I love that I have that with those friends and that story. It's really good, you know, and yeah, I've got metal in my ankle now on both sides, which I'm sure you do as well.
2: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so that that's the moral of that story, folks. Go out, injure yourself really badly so you get a cool story with your friends.
0: <laughs> yeah. If anything, after the end of this podcast, if that's what you take away, then we've done a good job, I think. Don't don't look for injury, but if it's happening,
1: don't. It doesn't count, it doesn't count if you seek it out.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to press into those. Yep. I also broke my ankle once jumping off a cliff into the ocean. And my friend didn't tell me the ocean was like this deep. And I just sank to the bottom and broke it. And then I went to a metalcore gig that night.
1: <laughs> yeah. And no, I see if you're jumping into oceans, you haven't checked. that. that I, I don't think that counts.
0: Really? That's too, too stupid.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it has to be every day stupid.
0: Well, see, he convinced me and he jumped first. Because it was his area. It was Mornington Peninsula, and he knew oh. what he was doing. So I was just, I feel the blame's on him, let's be honest. Robert Shea, if you're listening, which I know he's not, but if you are.
1: If your friend jumped off a cliff, would you? Apparently, yes.
0: Apparently. Sorry, I'm just having a moment to really consider my myself and my character. I didn't realise that that was who I was. <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out. Emma. <laughs> Um, all right, we better move on to actually talk about why we're here, which is one of your favorite novels. Although, can you call it a novel? That's a big mm-hmm. question. Yeah, mm-hmm. so this is Dorothy Porter, and the book you've chosen for us is The Monkey's Mask. Um, embarrassingly, I have to admit, I hadn't heard of Dorothy Porter, I hadn't heard of this book before you um, chose it for this. I'm really glad you did because I would never have read it and it is
2: mm.
0: a bit um, mind-blowing, this, uh, this book. So can you just unpack a little um, maybe how you first came to read this book and when and sort of the circumstances and then what your reaction was immediately to it?
1: Mm. So I actually first read it many, many, many years ago. I was on a little hiking trip in Tassie. Can I just say right from the beginning, there were no injuries on this hiking trip. It's a miracle. None at all. Oh, no, I was probably 21, 22, something like that. Right. Um, with, yeah, a small group of friends. And I so don't... The, know, is that
0: the overland trek, sorry, or is it something small? No, around?
1: we went to Wineglass Bay and sort of did that sort of trek um, around. Oh. I can't remember how many days. It's not a hugely long hike, maybe three days. That's still cool.
0: Yeah, okay, cool.
1: I have no idea why I had this book. In fact, maybe I didn't, maybe it was um my now husband may have had it. I don't know. Certainly back then the way I um came across books is is I used to actually um either just go to the library, pick a random book out or try and follow an author, or I would read the reviews in the Sunday paper and go, oh that sounds interesting. And I you know, try and find that book. So it's possible I found it through review. I'm not quite sure. Um, so we had this book, and on the very first night, we're sitting around a campfire, and someone said, "Oh, let's tell a story." And um, I have no idea how, but we ended up taking turns to read out the Monkey's Mask sitting wow. around the campfire. Wow! One of the most romantic book stories I've got. Usually, it's just yeah, yeah. I read. The book. I was sitting on a train, and I read this book. But but that it was just one of those. You know, you're just becoming an adult at that age, mm. you know, 21, 22, whatever, something like that, and you're not a teenager, you're not really an adult yet, you're, but you're you're sort of there. And
0: You sort of think you are.
1: You sort of think you are. And um, it was just one of those moments, sitting there in Tassie, nothing around, saw my first quoll reading this book aloud and I just said oh I found my people <laughs> this is lovely you know so I was gonna
0: say your friends sound really cool like I don't think you know my friends and I when we went we would just talk and then we'd go to sleep and
1: drink a lot of beer and yeah I mean a lot it's just like, that was um yeah I mean it's a it's a bit of a standout one and um there is something about words being read aloud that I love mm. I just. Love it, um, and so whether it's you know Shakespeare or a book or a poetry or whatever, um, I really really enjoy it. And of course, <laughs> Dorothy Porter, it, it's it's so oral when you read it. Yeah. It's, it's just got the most. She's got the most amazing rhythm to her writing. Uh, so I knew nothing about this book before we started reading it, but there's a couple of other things that really twigged. You in, in, in that it, it's um it, it's a detective story. Yes. And, it, and it's a really traditional gumshoe, Chandler-esque, Raymond Chandler-esque sort of gumshoe story, and she really leans into that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that sort of uh, that balance between a, a novel in verse, mm. gumshoe, American style, but, but set in Australia, set in Sydney. Yeah. And then we've got this great standard loner detective who's um, who's a butch lesbian detective who's... She's not sure if she's confident. Is she not confident? You know, she's just, she's this mix of emotions and feelings. And I think it just did something to my brain. Mm -hmm. But the funny thing is, I think then it just went into my subconscious and I didn't think about it for years until I'd say about three years ago when I'm in a little casual book club with a group of writers. And we're all taking in turns to choose books. And I pass every time. I just want people to tell me, here, here's this book, read it. And I go, oh, thank you. And I read the book. And I went, oh, let's do The Monkey's Mask. And I reread it. And I thought I thought a couple of things. One is I really love this book. This is great. It wasn't just the situation of reading out loud. It was, yeah. you know, um, I love her language. I love her strange mix of similes. Mm-hmm. And I like uh, I love her ability to describe a character in a sentence. Mm. It's that thing I, I really like about Peter Temple as well. Mm-hmm. You know, here's yeah, a character in one sentence, and you go, "Got you."
2: Yeah.
1: Um. But the other funny thing is, is that I actually recognised in the Monkey's Mask a lot of stuff that I had actually had made it into my debut novel, Resurrection Bay. Yeah. No idea.
2: That's incredible
1: just seeps in I mean a lot of it's that really st- as I say it's that really standard you know gumshoe detective stuff that that sort of seeps in but um yeah. I mean it happens all the time I live in fear of of um actually plagiarizing a sentence or a passage <laughs> or something I, I, live, I have googled sometimes sentences you know how sometimes a sentence just gets in your brain yeah and it's just your brain has worked it out and then you write it out yes. Sometimes I'm really not sure if it's my words. Yeah,
0: have you read it?
1: I, it. So I, I Google it and I go into Google bo- books that I Google again. And if I do that a few times and I can't find it anymore, I go, okay, it's obviously my brain, not not someone else's. That's amazing. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I think uh, she, she ticks a lot of things. She gets a lot of things right in this book.
0: Can you unpack a little bit more for us just how, like the things that you did notice in your debut? And then I guess all your writing as well, like, what are some of the links that you make? Like, is it just that really sort of, because if I, if you, if you don't mind me saying like when I've, when I've been reading your latest and um, all the Caleb um, Zalek books, you have a very crisp kind of like um, very terse, very direct style as well. Like there's no mucking around. It's just very, very, I would say clear, but it's also like just getting, like you're in a boxing match a little bit. I hope that's a compliment for you because it's meant as one for sure. But it's like, you know, I have to stay on my guard. Like I have to really pay attention to what's going on. And I think Dorothy Porter does similar. But yeah, can you unpack a little as well, like what you think you found in there?
1: Yeah, well, interestingly, um, rereading it just before this podcast, um, I realised there is a similarity in that sparseness that I hadn't realised a few years ago when I read it because I think my writing has got, Sparser as I've gone. Mm-hmm. Like occasionally, you know, someone will say, "Oh, can you read a passage from some book?" And I'll read it from my first book, and say, "Oh, too many words. Take those words out. Too many words." <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, but it's also because I'm writing from the point of view of Caleb, um, who is um, a very a, a man of few words. Yep. And and who is deaf, so he he thinks about his words a lot, but, but also because he's got that standoffishness. But but I think it's also my natural voice and style coming out yeah so i didn't realize that a few years ago that that was on you know the last couple of weeks through reading going oh yeah
2: wow um, cool um
1: but i i try and get contrast between short sentences long sentences mm-hmm. if, you know number of syllables or that sort of thing i usually need to remind myself to go longer so i've had short 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 I need a long, I need a medium, I need a short. Um, whereas I know other people need to go in the other direction.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: A lot of flowery language, and you do it. Um, so yeah, definitely some um, some sim- similarities there. But it, I don't, I don't think that's because I've like caught it from Dorothy Porter. I think that's just my natural inclination.
2: Yeah, I, right.
1: I love that in art as well. Hmm. Um, one of my favourite painting uh, painters is um, Fred Williams just an old Australian painter, you know, I'm not sure when he died, maybe the 70s or something, and his landscape to the Pilbara and the, they're just this, you know, the beautiful red dirt of the Pilbara, you just want to eat it? It's, yes. it's, it's, it's That, and there's these little scraggly trees and you just go, whoa, you know, you can smell the Pilbara. They're just, they're, you've got everything in that one brush stroke. Mm. Um, so I'm very drawn to that. Uh, but, again, it depends on the book. Like, if I'm, if I'm reading, like, a historical, like, wolf hall or something like that yeah Antel, you've got those longer more luscious sentences although not not the rocks. she doesn't chuck in all the no. adjectives and adverbs but no. you know meteor but, they're but,
0: but you, yeah you'd say that that's sort of like your that's sort of the, the the favorite thing the thing that really makes you come alive is this sort of like this lean kind of clarity would you say that's true
1: uh, it, it's one of the things. I, I guess it's um, what I like to get me into that world or into that character's head. So um, okay. if it's very, very flowery language, I feel like I sort of have to get through it to understand or, or to get the feeling. Um,
0: so, That's interesting. Yeah, right. But
1: I, I guess one of the things uh, to know about me is that I have a fantasia which means I have no, um, like, mental imagery.
0: Mm.
1: I, I can't visualise anything. Um,
0: I think I did know that, yeah, it, but I, yeah. I, I had forgotten that. I, yeah, It's really interesting. Well,
1: I only learnt that you could all do that a couple of years ago, so this still <laughs> blows my brain. But it explains why some people like, um, like a page of description, whereas to me I'm just going words, 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 words. words it's just yeah it's
0: just words mm-hmm. and like you need the story to be really direct and really
1: well or even the description so um I, I love a bit of description but I I want to make it up myself so I, I I want a writer to um to sketch some details that are exactly the right details that make me know what that person looks like mm. what their character is like what their mood is like their surroundings. Um, yeah, so just just sketch those in, and that may be in the moment rather than let me have to translate what you've put on the page for me to.
0: Wow, that's so interesting. Um, there is a description in here that I that I remember distinctly, and it said something like his smile was like packet soup.
2: <laughs> thin, or, thin, thin, thin like yes, packet, thin yeah, is, yeah, yeah, mm.
0: so clever. Like,
1: there's some beautiful... That's the other thing too, is if you can have a bit of humor with the description, yeah. which I yeah. think um she does really well. It's that um there's another one, the um he is funny. Tall and was it tall, pale and thin like a uh, pasta you'd slop down your front, you know, describing <laughs> someone and I just I'm gonna laugh out loud at character, you know, descriptions that's like so, that. Yeah,
0: she that's yeah. one thing with her too is like she doesn't seem like you were talking about before, she seems to like have this thing where she's sort of like revelling in the idea that she's writing this very highbrow literary form, but she's writing like this gritty, grimy, Aussie, like just, you know, bo- bogan, like can I say? Mm-hmm. Like just yeah. really soul to the earth sort of sort of tale, but she's writing it in poetry. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: And she has an absolute go at the poets in the poetry world.
0: Doesn't she? Oh, I it's have,
2: hilarious! Yeah. I actually,
0: have it's actually. Sorry, I've bookmarked a couple. Can I read you one? Because, mm. yeah. So for people listening, um, the book is written. It's a. It's like a detective sort of whodunit, and it's a thriller, but it's written in a lot of um, poems, and it's just sort of each page or each every two pages is a new poem, and so it's really lean. It's really sparse. And, but you get everything you need and it's just such an interesting way. And obviously with poetry, I am, I'm, if I'm being completely honest, I don't know a lot about poetry, but I think a lot of it is with the rhythm. It's quite interpretive while at the same time being informative, I guess the same way, like a chord sheet would be for a musician. But, um, I've got a couple that I highlighted. I just really wanted to read this one's called no chips. And it's talking about, um, a book launch. It says, at this book launch, you pay for your drinks at the bar and listen to the writer and her best friend and her editor make long speeches. My stomach growls. Lou, where's the chips? <laughs> <laughs> she's having fun, hey? Like, it's so fun.
1: Oh, much fun. And the the, the, the she's in... um. Because of course the murder mystery involves two poets, of course. Because why wouldn't it? But um, when she's in um, one, of the, the first poetry reading, which she's sent to alone, because you know the the woman she's uh, you know pining for says to go alone, so she's sort of a bit resentful of that when she's sitting there. <laughs> there's some beautiful line about um, they're only meant to read their poetry for fifteen minutes, but this first guy, um, he's been going on for an hour now it's like oh no only 10 minutes <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh i just i just love it it's just like because you're in her voice even though you know there's she's not narrating it there like uh, in an obvious way but you're, you're you know exactly and yeah and, come on we've all been there it's like yeah oh, she, she so it's cares. in a way that's
0: really she's not doing it in a mean way like it's not satirical it's not mean it's <laughs> just like, look at this absurd place that we live in. But it's, it's kind of like she says. She, there's a lot in there about what poetry can be, mm-hmm. while she's writing poetry that can be like. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's so clever.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. It's not satirical in that sense. It's not mean, and, no. and I think because Jill, our detective's voice, is actually a little vulnerable, even though she's incredibly. T- Tough. You know, she's yeah. pining for this woman. She's not sure if this woman is um is worth trusting. She's been hurt before. She really feels the class divide. But you know, you yeah. mentioned Logan before, you know, she she talks about that. She she has she hasn't had any education, she feels out of place. Um, so she's not laughing at these people, but she's she's seeing them for what they are, but also feeling vulnerable at the same time. Yes time. and I love that I love that um, that opposing force in a character. Yeah, they, they want to do two things. Um, and, and I think I think she does that class stuff really well in this book. Yeah,
0: she does. And it's incredible that she does all of that complexity with the sparsity of her poetry because I just read like a whole page to everybody and it's and it's all about that book launch. I know everything there with just those lines, and that's. I think that's something I really admire with poetry and with with this book in particular. Is it's just there is not a wasted syllable.
1: Yeah, I think um, when I was first writing, and I'd um, I'd written a couple of full length manuscripts, and I uh, this is when I sort of really got serious about my writing, not my yep. not my childhood writing, you know. um, and I I really wanted to write novels. And, and people kept saying "any anything that I'd read or anything that I'd watched, They, they people always said, you should write short stories, mm-hmm. train yourself. And mm-hmm. I was, no, I'm not going to write short stories. I'm not going to write short stories. And I, I finally gave in and wrote a short story. Uh, actually, I did, uh, first of all, I did a flash fiction and then I wrote a short story. Yep. And it was the best education I had in writing because I thought I was sparse. Um, but in writing, um, those, those initial two pieces, I realised how much waffle there was. Mm. I, I don't mind thick books. In fact, I love a sat book. Mm. Love it. Love thin ones too. doesn't matter. Um, but all the words have to be there for a reason. Yes. And my most favourite thing in the world is for there to be a sentence or a scene where there are two or three things happening. Mm-hmm. And Dorothy Porter manages often to do that with one sentence. Yes, the description of someone—it's a physical description. It explains what they're like and explains what Jill, the detective, is thinking about, and and often makes the plot go forward. And I just go mind mind blown. So that little education about you know writing some flash fiction, writing some stories—if uh, I had just gone back and <laughs> read the Monkey's Mask, like marked it up in highlighter—I think that would have been a great education too. It's
0: yeah, but. I don't know how you go with actually trying to deconstruct how yeah. a brilliant person does what they do. Never. But right now I'm thinking, I, I agree with you. Like when I'm thinking about scenes between characters, there is so much going on in, below the surface. There's so much in the attitudes. There's so much going on. There's so much in like how she's reading that person, but also who that person has, you know, like you're saying, and she does it all in a sentence or in a word.
1: Mm. I How does she, she
0: do
2: that? Emma, tell me. Like
1: Wanna... <laughs> uh, well because everything she she writes mm. she makes sure it's doing more than one thing that's that's magic just do that just do that ben
0: oh sorry yeah. okay yeah thanks emma <laughs> that's,
1: Problems. that's my writing or my writing um master class week it's funny um what you say about de- deconstructing um writing i never do i i just don't um
0: yeah, so you just try to enjoy it and live live it with what it is,
2: right?
1: Yeah, and I'm not, um, I get very impatient with things like that, uh, but I feel I should do more of it. Um, I, I will pause when I'm reading a book. I mean, and, and, and absolutely, once you start writing, you know, professionally, you've always got the editing brain on. Yes, you know? absolutely like, right. I, I, I can't just... You know, I very rarely get into a book and that switches off. I'm, I'm always just, how would I do that differently? Or, oh how did they do that? That's lovely. But I never sit down, like, make notes with a highlighter. I mean, I'm getting better. I occasionally get a pencil and, hey, I really like this bit. Do I ever go back and read it? <laughs> no. But I've done it um, because I think you can get, yeah, D- just pause for a moment and yes. see if someone's done something. But I think perhaps I haven't done it for a few reasons. One is back when I was a be- beginner writer, I was nervous about trying to emulate people.
0: I was going to say that, like, do you think that that would lend itself more to to changing your own voice in a way that's not authentic to you, right? Yeah, and that
2: and, and that would yeah. be
0: run the risk of, like you say, not even just emulating, but just writing poorly, I guess, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely, because, you know, I I don't know if you get this, but occasionally, you know, you get the question, who would you like to write like? And I was like, nobody else. Like, I don't want to write like anyone else.
0: Oh, see, you're good. See, I still have people I hold up in my mind, but that's really good that you're at that place. Oh,
1: no, because I wouldn't be me.
0: Yeah, that's so good. That's yeah
1: oh no it's just a it's a discomfort thing i feel deeply uncomfortable about it there are people i just go oh my god you know i wish i was that good but oh,
0: see maybe that's what i'm thinking of like yeah. I just, there's some people i admire i'm like i wish i had that that talent or that that genius and mm. how they do that like dorothy mm. Porter, like how she does mm. that but um
1: but you don't want yeah, to write like yes, you right
0: there's well i think there's a sort of it's taken me a very long time to get to the point where i can say like with confidence that I want to write books that that are me. You mm. know what I mean? And not just look at the other person's success and go I would rather be like that person. You know what I mean? Um, it's hard to, like you have to be quite confident of yourself to write, I think.
1: Yeah, I yeah, I'm not. Um,
0: <laughs> no, you just were saying like you just were saying like I want to write books like me, right? Like that's Yeah, a good but,
1: type of but I want to I want to make them better.
0: Yeah, okay. Um,
1: yeah. So, I mean, most of the time the way I do it is by trying to shut out the world. I just have to, when I'm writing, somehow shut out the world until I can get into the story. And once I'm in the story, I'm just writing how I want to write and that's mm. fine. But um, that, that's every day. I have to get back into it and get back into it. Um, yeah, because once I start looking at what other people like or, or, or even what people like in my books, you know. Oh, I'll, I'll write more of that stuff, you, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you just you end up riding a camel. Uh, you've got to, yeah, you just have this weird amalgam of what other people want, so.
0: Yeah, geez. Like, I I had reviews of um, Snake Island that said, like, almost uniformly, like, that it's really dark and, like, the characters are really too complex. Like, obviously, because... <laughs> Because we're human, you, I don't know whether you do this, but human beings, you know, how we're hardwired to just look at the negative sort of things and just what word mm. of mouth, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I took that and then I started to think, well, I need to write, you know, these attractive protagonists, you know, these seem to be what sell books. I need to write someone who's likable and a hero.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I tried it and it was terrible.
2: Absolutely yeah, uh, terrible.
1: it's whenever I let that affect me, and it's mainly in the early stage of the book, you know, when it just seeps in. Um, and I, I just not, this is cardboard characters like moving around. Uh, that gets that, that's deleted. It's just disgusting. You you know you know when it's when it's happening. Maybe not the time, but afterwards.
0: Yes, it um, took me till afterwards to. I wrote a whole book.
1: Oh wow, well done. I wrote a
0: whole book because I was thinking I just want to write a, a wow. book that, that people will like. But
1: <laughs> but, but it's, you do actually. It, it's this weird thing um, where. You have to be aware of the market Mm -hmm. and readers and you have to totally ignore it all at the same time. You know, like, like when you're writing your first book, you have to imagine that it's going to get, you're going to finish it, it's going to get published yes. and your worst enemy in the world is going to read it, you know. It's going to be everywhere and they're going to read it. And at the same time, you've got to just open yourself up to the experience and just write the book and forget about, publishing yeah that's in the book and it is weird you've got this these two bits in your brain so if I had four ideas that I liked equally Mm -hmm. and one of them I just went god no no one is gonna want to read that and there was one that was equal and I thought oh maybe they will I'll go for that one (laughs) except that I know like a month into the process it'll be some other completely different beast and um i'm not writing for a market i'm not writing for any readers because this is the book i'm writing and i just have to go for it you know
0: turned into into your thing yeah that's cool
1: yeah Yeah.
0: um to return to dorothy a little bit i'd love to talk because i've got some quotes from her about her process i read a couple of interviews with her yeah i try to do a little bit of research here and there for these podcasts um so she was talking about how the some of the American poets and how they were an influence on her work. And so she said, yes, I think they've definitely an influence, but again, I'm always a person who has gone my own way for good or ill. I'm not clicky join the group sort of girl. And um, I think that's sort of talking about what we've been talking about, right? Like
1: a perfect quote. Yeah.
0: She just did her own, just did her own thing. The thing that she wanted to do and just found joy in. And that's, that's amazing. Like, It's amazing to begin with that she was able to divorce herself from like that idea of like trying to reach like a marketplace or a group of readers or like, you know, become this populist kind of novelist or poet. Um, But at the same time, like this book, just in doing research was actually a bit of a hit, like it won awards. It It got turned into a movie and she did that via just doing her own thing regardless. Isn't that a lesson, I think, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. God, I wish I had known that back then. That's really interesting. Um, You know, one of the best things that ever happened to me when I was writing my first book, Resurrection Bay, um, the the one and only, like, writing classy thing that I did was, like, a little meet the publisher day, weekend or something. Mm And um, (laughs) the publisher said, oh, don't write Australian crime fiction.
2: Oh, what? No one wants
1: to read it. What? No, let's read it. Uh, so this, uh, this is back, um, this is back before Jane Harper or anything. Um and um I went home and I was like, oh, it's devastated because I was really, really enjoying writing it. Like it was the best thing oh, I had done bad. for years and years and years. No, there's a happy side to this story. And after a couple of weeks of just going, oh my god, I feel like I've lost a part of my soul. Um, I mean, oh. Actually, I'm just gonna keep writing. And it's given me permission to just write exactly what I want to write because the odds of it getting published and non-existent. And and Resurrection Bay is a bit weird in that it doesn't, I mean it's not genre bending or anything, but it's it's sort of character driven and plot driven. You know, it, uh, it, yeah. it's that like stuff yeah. that they tell you not to do, but it's what I really like.
2: Mm. So I think
1: someone saying that to me just made me go, okay. That's it. That's what I'm doing. I'm just doing that.
0: It's amazing. See, the reason I was sort of gasping before you know, during your story is because I can picture hundreds upon hundreds of writers, like young writers, you know, setting out on this journey, writing this thing that they're really excited about. And then they get this sage advice from someone telling them, oh, there's no market for that. Or you, you what are you writing in the morning? You need to be writing at night time. Oh, wow. or- yeah. <laughs>
1: Don't get really any on that. Yeah.
0: yeah, so like, and then I'm just, you know, I'm so afraid that so many of them have just completely given up. Yeah. Right. Because it's such a hard thing to persevere through, let alone getting that sort of uh I guess discouragement, right? Like, how did you persevere through? Like, that's tough to sort of like you got to the place where you're like, I'm free, I don't have expectations on me.
2: Um,
1: I think I was lucky and that it come when I was far enough into the process that I was really enjoying what I was doing. Mm. Um, So I'd written a couple of first draft full-length manuscripts anyway. It's like, you know, just horrible, horrible,
2: horrible, boring crap. I put
0: my hand up and I'm in that club as well, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Oh, will you get them published? No, 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 no. Uh, yes. they are yes. in my will to be, you know, incinerated. I deleted uh, mine
0: and I threw out my old laptop. Actually, they I, just, I,
1: I mean, don't it. think they exist anymore. And, and I cannibalize them too. So the bits that were working plot wise, I I used. That's
0: very nice for you, Emma. I don't have those bits in mm. those old books of mine. I don't have any I don't have any good bits. They were just shocking.
1: It was just there was just a couple of little plot points that I went, ooh, I'm gonna keep that. That's hidden. nice. that's really uh, yeah. cool. Yeah. So, and and I was a I was a long way into the process of writing. I mean, it was still um, it was raw, but but I I was really really enjoying writing. Um, and it's because I always wrote as a kid, and then I um, you know my first career I was a museo too. That sort of took over, and but I was really missing writing. So once I got back into it and I was writing all the time, um, the thought of stopping it made me feel really sad so I don't know I was just able to sort of go if oh. it had happened at the beginning when I was first starting back in it I, I think it would have crushed me absolutely crushed me mm. but, yeah
0: I um my first few books were like I had I wrote a book it was like a it was like a horror book um because I was reading Stephen King and I was reading Chuck Palahniuk or Palahniuk I can never say his name
1: sorry no
0: uh, yeah
1: Palahniuk, Palahniuk.
0: I loved him. And I was reading um, William Faulkner. (laughs) (laughs) You're already laughing. So I had this plane load of citizens who were on their way to hell and there were demons on the plane and it was Mm -hmm. like, and they weren't quite demons and it was all like, I'd stop chapters halfway through and I'd have characters like back in time. And like, it was just completely off the cuff and intuitive and weird and it's horrible, but I really like that. I wrote it. You know what I mean? Like, I had such a blast writing that story. Um, yeah. I, uh, like, if you can cannibalize your stories, that's like, I'm really like, I don't have that. But obviously I wrote a whole book and I read characters and I, I sort of figured out what not to do. And yeah, I guess I never got that advice. Like I was just writing, like imagine if I'd gotten advice when I was in 5,000 words in like you're you've got what's the point of this? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know whether I would have kept going.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I never showed my early writing to anyone for that reason.
2: Mm. I know
1: a lot of people use uh, writers' groups and better readers, but back then um, I felt too easily influenced. I'm such a people pleaser. It's just disgusting. <laughs> and and I, I just knew that, that it would just, it just wouldn't work mm. for me. Um, I feel that I trust my instincts a lot more now um so so my husband's allowed to read my work now um (laughs) he's the only person yeah I don't you know I don't give it out to lots of people or anything because I I still feel mm, the wrong advice at the wrong time Mm. can be an absolute killer but there are people I know who it, it fires them up they've got the right beta readers are the right writers group and they you know they go for it but um
0: i have a few beta readers now and i like i've you know i've i really value their feedback but you're right like you just you you have to back yourself sometimes sometimes you have to say no and sometimes you have to be humble enough to sort of look like you maybe i was wrong on that that note there it's quite tricky isn't
1: it i the editing process is always interesting isn't it um When you get the editor's notes back, I always know when the, they're right. I don't always know why. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's no, really- that's so good. <laughs>
0: like I'm so with you on that for sure. Yeah,
1: it's, yeah. it's sometimes going to be a huge process, and when I finally get it, like, oh right, okay, I get it. Uh, and sometimes no, 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 and that's part of the process yeah. is learning as a writer to actually say no, actually. No, and this is why to be able to explain it
2: mm, um,
0: sort of reinforces your own ideas.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I want to
0: apologize if you can hear my dog snoring in the background. No, no. you oh, I he's can't. Having, he's having a great old time waiting for me to do the dishes so he can get nibblies. um To return to Dorothy, i got another quote from her, and it's going back to something we were talking about earlier because um, she, she was asked, and this is sort of what we're talking about, she was asked what she actually enjoys about her own writing. And so she said this, I like clarity, I like honesty, I like pizzazz, I like passion, I like, and this is amazingly her, I like a pungent use of colloquial language.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's what we haven't talked about with this. Her ear for the Australian colloquial is <laughs> mwah, lot just it's love amazing! It. It's I amazing. Love it. mm. And then
0: she said, "There's all sorts of ingredients that appeal to me, and I love that." Like she wasn't like, "I have to write this thing because this is what poetry is," or "I have to do this because of this." She's just like, "No, I like this, 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 this." Boom!
2: Sprinkle. Yeah. It all okay.
1: in. Oh, I love these. I should have read some. Um... I should have read some interviews. I'm always a little bit nervous about. Reading interviews or watching interviews, you know, from writers whose work I've enjoyed, because I'm, oh god, if you're an asshole, <laughs> it's really gonna gonna be hard. That's gonna hurt. You you know uh, that that quote. Um, I think it also encapsulates something else about her, which is it's not it's not clarity to be pristine and this cool aesthetic. It it's actually raw and messy, even though it's beautiful and neat. It's passionate, mm. um, and it's it's that pulsating humanity. Just not like a complete wanker. No, no. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's there for a reason. It's not there. I mean, look, there are writers out there who are beautiful on the line. I go, that is a gorgeous piece of writing, but it is bloodless.
2: Mm. So I, <laughs> I look at it and go,
1: oh, look at that lovely cold marble statue, but it doesn't do anything for it's me. Got in no life in it. Anything.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: um so i like that she's yeah she's a bit messy she swears she you know she, it's just yeah it's, it's I actually it's a, um life force.
0: Oh, i'm so with you on that like i was um i was i've talked i sometimes talk with my friends because you know i'm
1: you I, friends talk with them
0: i do sometimes have actual real life conversations believe it or not i know it's weird but we talk about um bob dylan
2: mm.
0: and like i try to talk about why i love bob dylan so much and i say it's because his voice is so bad like i like i like how it's so honest and raw and they're like yeah but it's not he's not a good singer and i was like no he's not (laughs) you know that's the that's why i like it like it's like it's authentic and real and ugly but beautiful in it's ugliness and I it's got the guts in it, it's got the blood in it, as you say. And and I I find there's some pristine books that have that in there as well. Like I do I do acknowledge that. But yeah, there is something to me about like that that joy in the mess. You know what I mean? Having those little awkward elbows sticking out of your writing a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um just enough to let us know like it's it's a real human being we're reading about, you know, even though we're not, I guess.
1: Oh we are. (laughs) Say that?
0: sorry sorry yes break
1: the facade oh no <laughs>
0: <laughs> break the fourth wall um I think that's actually it's I think we've pretty much covered everything I wanted to talk about like that's um so glad I got to talk to you about this book and read this book um
1: I'm so glad you, you found it yeah interesting it's um it wasn't I, I know it was a little bit of an odd one to choose but it's just it just encapsulates so much
2: yeah it
0: does and I'm, I'm really glad for our conversation too because I, I you know i take a lot away from reading it but also talking to you about you know it's to be to be brave and honest in in what you like and who you are and it's a very tricky thing to do in our in our current world where there's so many different things telling us like we should be a certain way or be a certain type of person be a certain type of writer um but yeah, I really value just yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? I mean, I'm I'm being messy in how I'm framing this thought, but you know, maybe that's the idea. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely, uh, no, it totally makes sense. Yeah, you're right. Uh, be raw, be honest, and then yeah. clean it up on the page.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what editing can help with, right? Your editing brain, right? What does they say? Write from the guts and then edit with your head.
1: Uh, yeah, was it? Um, well, it's write drunk, edit sober. So yeah,
0: that's Hemingway, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which he would say. Yeah. He would just stop it right drunk, I think. Yeah. Um, so just podcast listeners, please keep an eye out for Emma's Those Who Perish. I am actually doing a live event with Emma, which I'm super excited about. She has promised to actually injure me um at some stage. She's nodding very seriously in my camera feed, which is concerning because I was joking. Um, so that's happening when is it, April twelfth up in Brizzy? I'm Somewhere in April.
1: That...
0: Oh, no, I think it's April 11th. 11th? It's... Oh, gosh. Either check way, go it. to know, Emma. Go check Emma's website. Check, where, like, all the different things. And there's events happening. Is Where else are events happening for the book launches and stuff? Uh,
1: there's one in Melbourne, Sydney, and Brisbane.
0: That's awesome. Yep. And then, so yeah. So, please get along and listen to Emma chat. Because as you heard on this podcast, she's awesome. And her books are awesome. And you definitely should read them as well for honest and clear and gutsy writing all right thanks emma
1: it's been great chatting thanks ben
0: yeah thank you